Hey everyone, this is Jonathan Capehart. Welcome to Cape Up, a special edition of Cape Up as it's election day. And I want you to have something to occupy your time and mind while we wait for the returns to start coming in. So who better to talk to than the man behind the crystal ball, Dr. Larry Sabato, director of the University of Virginia Center for Politics. I'm convinced that uh, the Latino vote is going to rescue Hillary Clinton if she needs rescuing in some of the states. Break out the notepads because he's going to break it all down right now. Dr. Sabado, thank you very much for being on Cape Up today. I'm happy to do it. So tell me about your crystal ball and how it knows what it knows. <laughs> well, keep in mind, our motto is, he who lives by the crystal ball ends up eating ground glass. <laughs> uh, and, and we've certainly had meals of it over the years, although I found if you put some Tabasco sauce on, it's okay. Um, but uh, essentially, we gather as much data as we possibly can, not just polling information, but obviously from political science, we use models. Uh, and we also use old-fashioned methods that are still revealing. We stay in touch with hundreds of good sources that uh, we've developed over many, many years' time. Uh, great example of this, you saw that series of polls, at least two major ones, there may have been others, strongly suggesting that Trump is winning Nevada. Well, John Ralston, who's the number one expert in that state's politics, has been following the minute changes in the early voting. And he knew instantly those polls were wrong, and, and every day, every few hours, he's been proving it. And that's why I say it's wrong to simply focus on one kind of analysis. This is a very complicated process. And so you want to look at the big picture. So um, let's get into the states, because what you, ta- what you said about John Ralston and what he's been saying about Nevada is something that has completely driven people nuts. They don't know what to believe, what to expect. And so um, you talked about Nevada. Is it lean Republican or is it a state that Hillary Clinton can expect to, to win today? I believe she will win it. Uh, we've we've certainly had it lean Democrat for some time, but um, I would I would say this to people who would be inclined to believe the polls rather than the early voting data and the other arguments that John makes. I'd ask them to go back to 2010 and to remember that virtually every survey and there were many many surveys in the uh, key Nevada Senate race since Harry Reid was on the ballot and was the majority leader. And uh, he was behind in almost all of them, uh, not in a close way. I don't recall the exact polling average margin, but it was substantial. <laughs> well, well, uh, Harry Reid won, won easily on election night. Hmm. What was the difference? It was early voting, and it was the underestimation by polling organizations of the Latino vote even then. And it's much larger today and better organized. Are we underestimating um, the Latino participation in this election nationwide? Yes, I believe we are, and that also includes the tracking poll by the Washington Post and and ABC. Uh, Interestingly, I think you all did the joint survey with Univision that came much closer to reality. I would refer everyone 
to Latino decisions, just Google Latino decisions. They have produced the best data set by far uh, on the Hispanic vote this year. It's pretty clear to them, and I, I'm convinced that uh, the Latino vote is going to rescue Hillary Clinton if she needs rescuing in some of the states, and probably including Florida, uh, where it's close. Uh, and the the um, reason I also refer people to Latino decisions, in addition to the superb analysis, is that they show Hillary Clinton doing something that I don't think anybody would have bet on at the beginning of the year. She is apparently doing better than Barack Obama did with Latinos in 2012, and he set a record by getting 71%. Wow. Incredibly, she's getting 79%. And instead of Mitt Romney's miserable 27%, Donald Trump is getting 16%. That's one-sixth. In other words, Republicans are going in exactly the opposite direction that they must go if they're to recover nationally as a party. And so people are concerned on the Democratic side about low African-American turnout in North Carolina and Florida and some other close states. That may be corrected by the time the polls close on Tuesday. I understand that that it is being corrected, at least in part. When you say that will be corrected, what do you mean by that? Meaning that African-Americans will be coming out in bigger numbers as we get close to Election Day through early voting and then on Election Day? Yes. Well, that's what the Democrats are working on. (laughs) And, you know, they're well prepared. They're much better prepared than the Trump campaign is. And so I think while Democrats will not be able to get the African-American vote up to the level it was for Barack Obama, of course not. That was history. Mm-hmm. You know, It's perfectly obvious why it would be higher for him than for Clinton. It's going to be higher than it appears to be right now. And to get back to my other point, Latino voters are actually substituting for missing African-American voters. And that's critical because about 30% of the electorate will be minority. We haven't mentioned uh, Asian Americans, we haven't mentioned Muslim Americans, but they're also going to be heavily pro-Clinton. Gee, that matters. You know, minorities were 15% of the electorate when Reagan won twice and George H.W. Bush won. Doubled. And Democrats are still getting well over 80% of the votes of all minority groups combined. Absolutely amazing. So, Larry, let's now get into the states and try to do this in fun, rapid-fire fashion, if if we can. Are you telling me to be short because I'm a professor? No, no, I'm trying. No. We don't. We speak in fifty-minute intervals. No, this I know fifty minutes, right? No, I'm just kidding. I know it's not. <laughs> so. North Carolina. I know from the conversations I've had with people in the Clinton campaign, North Carolina is the state they most want to win, and they feel that if they win North Carolina, that they've won the presidency. Is that realistic? Uh, I think it's realistic. It is very close, and they understand that. This, This is one that could go late into the night. We may already have the presidency resolved before we know exactly how North Carolina's voted, at least for president. Um, because the Republicans there have done a good job in mobilizing their troops. They knew this was coming. They built on Romney's effort, which was successful in 2012 in turning the state away from Obama, where it had been in 2008. Uh, And so I would say it's leaning ever so slightly to Clinton. I will not be surprised if Republicans end up winning North Carolina. And in my book, I mean, Florida is obviously much, much more important, 29 electoral votes versus 15. Mm -hmm. There is a pathway for Trump, even without North Carolina. If you 
wins a big blue state right. up in the Rust Belt. There is no path without Florida. There's no way. There's literally no possible way to get into 270 without Florida. Now, before I was going to say, before you get into Florida, one of the things I was wondering as you were speaking, how much of an impact have the voter suppression laws had in African-American turnout or votes in North Carolina? Well, there'll have to be some good studies of this, but it's pretty obvious from the anecdotes that we have seen, and mainly we have anecdotes only at this point, that it has mattered. Uh, Look, it, it makes a difference when the powers that be, in this case a substantially Republican legislature and a Republican governor, go to work on reducing the vote of a segment of the electorate that they know they're going to lose 90 to 95 percent of. Right. I mean, it's, a, it's a perfectly obvious motive, and they've worked hard to do it, and it is going to be one of the factors reducing the African-American vote in North Carolina. I know in, your, in, in a previous crystal ball, you wrote that you don't think North Carolina is a must-win for Hillary Clinton. It isn't. No, it isn't. As I said, if she wins Florida, and I'm actually, uh, I think she's doing better there than she is in North Carolina. Not that she's doing badly in North Carolina, but the Clinton campaign has more things going for them in Florida because of the Hispanic vote, the fact that uh, she and Obama have cracked the Cuban-American vote, the fact that there are so many new Puerto Ricans living in Florida, and, and some other, lots of other factors mm-hmm. as well, uh, not to mention the um, white college-educated women who have defected from Donald Trump, and, and that is important in certain regions of Florida, too. So there, there are reasons to be bullish uh, on Clinton's chances in Florida, probably more reasons than there are to be bullish in North Carolina. Again, mm. I'm not suggesting she's losing North Carolina, but I can just find more reasons to think that Florida might be moving slightly in her direction. Earlier, you just you said that Trump cannot win the presidency without Florida. One of the things that people, every political junkie knows is that no Republican has won the presidency without Ohio. And right now you have Ohio leaning Republican. Can Donald Trump win the presidency if he wins Florida, but not Ohio? Or vice versa. No, he needs he needs both of them, and the reason we have Ohio leading Republican, I'm lucky to have on my crystal ball team Kyle Condick, who's the author of the newest book on Ohio, called Bellwether, and he traces the whole history of how Ohio became a bellwether. One of his central points is that it is inevitable that Ohio will probably cease to be a bellwether at some point soon because it is already a point or two or three more Republican than the country as a whole. And Hmm. boy, has that turned out to be true because of Donald Trump's appeal to uh, white working class voters. I mean, wow, they're really concentrated in Ohio, and it's naturally closer than Michigan or Wisconsin or Pennsylvania. It's, It's basic party balance. Uh, allows it to spin like a top between the two parties. Hmm. Uh, I think I think Trump is likely to win it. I wouldn't be completely shocked if Clinton won it, but you know we feel pretty secure in putting that in Trump's camp. Now, one of the states that Donald Trump thinks that he can take away from Democrats is Pennsylvania, and this is something we hear have heard every four years. Every Republican campaign always talking about how this is the year, this is the time we're going to take Pennsylvania. Given what you said about Trump's appeal to voters in Ohio, why doesn't that seem to translate to Pennsylvania 
going from strong, I think, likely Democrat on your crystal ball to lean Democrat or toss up? Well, we had it lean Democratic earlier, but the reason that we've moved it to likely Democratic is because the Pennsylvania population distribution is very different than Ohio. Yes, there are sections of Pennsylvania dominated by white working class, but you have those enormous Pennsylvania suburbs with high educational levels where whites, especially women, college-educated women, are just really turned off by Donald Trump. And so... Certainly, Trump is attracting a larger percentage of the white working class than, say, Romney did. Uh, But he's attracting a lower percentage of the college-educated white population, especially uh, female college-educated. So when you put all the pieces together, Pennsylvania is simply several points more Democratic Hmm. at at a minimum than Ohio is. Now, I'll tell you something that's interesting. As I look at Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and uh, Michigan and, and Ohio, to me, uh, it's obvious that over time, assuming the Republican coalition remains as it is, the Republican portion of the vote is probably going to tick up in those states, just as the Republican portion of the vote in certain mid-Atlantic and southern states and western states like Arizona will tick down. It's already happened in Colorado. It's already happened in Nevada because of population changes. So our system isn't static. And you have to look, because of our electoral college, at each state as its own universe, Mm -hmm. uh, producing electoral votes for one side or another. And as the population changes in each state, assuming the party balance is close enough, uh, you can have a tipping point, Virginia being a classic example. People are making a big deal of the fact that the Clinton campaign is spending more money again in Virginia, thinking that possibly they're worried that they won't carry Virginia. Do you buy that? Could no. Virginia could Virginia flip back Republican? Well, you know, anything's theoretically possible, but no, I, I think it's very improbable. I think both Virginia and Colorado are, are pretty secure for Clinton. I can't give you the exact percentages of the vote. I doubt it's all that close. I don't think it'll be a squeaker. After all, um, Barack Obama won Virginia by um, see, seven points in uh, 2008 and four in uh, 2012, exactly mirroring the national percentage. It's bound to be better for Democrats, at least theoretically this year, because Tim Kaine's on the ticket. Good research suggests that a uh, VP from the state who's popular can add uh, two or three percentage points to the ticket. Mm-hmm. I think Kane does that. And Trump is so unacceptable to the highly educated population in Northern Virginia, which is one-third of the state's electorate right. now. I-, I just can't put the pieces together for Trump. Yeah, he's going to do fantastically in Southwest Virginia and, and the Valley of Virginia and some other uh, rural areas, but they they don't matter all that much anymore to the statewide equation. Mm-hmm. Let's go out. Let's go out west and Utah. And I bring up Utah because of the independent candidacy of Evan McMullen, who is, was a guest on Cape Up a few weeks back. And last I saw, he is rather competitive. Will he be competitive enough to win the state? No, I don't think so. We we were looking carefully at that for a while, and we were intrigued by it and thought, in a sense, it was a way out for 
uh, Mitt Romney, for uh, the LDS Church, uh, for social conservatives out there who you know just can't cotton to somebody like Donald Trump. But this is where the return of Republicans at the end, the reluctant partisans who are moving back to Trump, not an unusual thing to happen. It's been accelerated by the FBI director's decision to drop that bombshell on Clinton, uh, making Clinton more unacceptable to many of these people than, than Trump was. And I think now, uh, even though Utah's normally 70% Republican, Trump will be able to eke out, I don't know, maybe 40%, and that's going to be enough for him to carry Utah. And let me whipsaw you back. New Hampshire, where do you think it falls? I see you uh, you have it leaning Democrat. Does it yeah. stay that way? Uh, well, it's leaning Democratic. I'm, I'm as unsure about that one as I am North Carolina. Hmm. But I have to give at least a small edge to Clinton there because Again, I think they've done a better job of organizing it. Uh, she has led virtually all the surveys by varying margins until recently when you know Trump was up one and and then there were several ties. But uh, you know that's where organization matters and a long-term exposure to a state matters. Uh, you're going to be able to add a half a percent or a percent or a percent and a half to your total. So slight light blue lean to New Hampshire. Wisconsin. Trump people keep talking about Wisconsin. If they could take Wisconsin and put a chip into Hillary Clinton's blue wall, they could win the presidency. Is that true? I don't think that alone would do it. It would certainly help, but they're not going to win it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Again, I don't think Clinton's margins are going to be enormous in any of those Rust Belt states, um, losing Ohio but winning the others. But I I just don't see Trump having the ability to do it. Uh, One reason is that that's a state where there still is a division in the Republican Party substantial enough to to deny Trump uh, either a good turnout or uh, actual votes from people who may show up to vote for Senator Ron Johnson for re-election or one of the Republican congressmen. Do people really split tickets, meaning vote for one party for president and then vote straight down ballot for the other party in other races? Well, it happens, but it's relatively rare. We're down to about, oh, 10 percent or so uh, ticket splitting between, say, president and U.S. senator. Uh, that may sound like a lot to you consider that in earlier decades, a third or more of the voters would ticket split between president and senator. Of course, that was when you had a conservative wing of the Democratic Party and a liberal wing of the Republican mm-hmm. Party. But still, we're so polarized that it just uh, ticket splitting does not happen as often. You know, the the polls have been tightening. A lot of people are shocked by this, particularly people who support Hillary Clinton, because they view Donald Trump as so unacceptable um, a a candidate for president, someone who shouldn't occupy the Oval Office. And yet there he is. We're having a conversation about possibilities that he could be the next president of the United States. Why is that? Does it all boil down to the fact that the American people are polarized and so polarized that they don't trust either candidate? Well, I don't think it's that they don't trust either candidate, and they may complain about their own candidate, but that phenomenon called negative partisanship kicks in. They may not feel warmly toward their party's candidate, but they sure as heck hate the other party's Hmm. candidate. And that's 
at least as much of an incentive to come out and vote as as uh, loving or feeling enthusiastic about your candidate. Mm-hmm. We've seen that before, but I think it particularly applies this year. So, you know, polarization explains a lot of it. Uh, and I think that's going to continue. And by the way, we've said all year, one thing we've been right about is saying no matter how unpopular one of these candidates gets relative to the other, you're never going to have a landslide like 1964, or 1972, or 84. You're just not going to have it. Remember when Hillary Clinton pondered out loud, why am I not winning by 50 points? <laughs> yeah, right. you know, I'm running against, this as President Obama put it, a uniquely unqualified candidate is extremely controversial and all the rest of it. And it's a, it would have been a reasonable question in another era. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we're going to have landslides anymore, at least during the period of polarization, because too many people are dug in. Now, the exit polls will be coming out in in the afternoon, and that's when all of us, everyone's going to be pouring over these exit polls. What are some of the things listeners should look for to give them some idea of what's happening around the country? Well, uh, first of all, they should be very skeptical of the exit polls. Not that they're, you know, the people running them aren't doing a good job and all the rest of it, but I can tell you that exit polling has been misleading on election day more often than it has been accurate. Hmm. So I would first warn people against looking at the bottom line horse race figures and taking them as gospel, even when you get to the final wave. Instead, you want to look at the subcategories. You want to see... Um, are we are we surprised that African Americans are not voting as heavily Clinton as we had expected, or that uh, maybe um, college-educated men have also turned against Trump? Or you, you want to look at the categories, compare them one to another. The percentages will change not just during the night, but once they're adjusted, once the mm. once the votes are in. But it's really more about the groups relative to one another. So fill in the blank. If Trump wins this state, then he's won the presidency. What state is that? Well, Pennsylvania, probably. And the same for Clinton. If Clinton wins fill-in-the-blank state, then she's won the presidency. Florida. Florida. As, yep. t- as the late Tim Russert said on that fateful night in 2000, Florida, Florida, Florida. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> now... I have to ask you before I let you go, you're a person who's been in this business for a long time. You've got lots of data. You've got people on the ground. Um, You have as clear a vision as anybody, especially with a crystal ball. But what if you're wrong? Well, life goes on. (laughs) You know, it's uh, if you guess wrong on an election, you go on to the next election. You know, it happens, and it, it has, unfortunately, knock on wood, it hasn't happened to me presidentially, but it certainly happened in individual Senate races or governor's races. And, of course, the candidates take it very seriously, and their staff take it very seriously, and they never let you forget it. And that's okay. It's part of the part of the game. But, you know, if we're wrong, we're wrong. I hardly think that's the consequence we should be concerned about. <laughs> it's it's what, it, what it may say about the country and what it may do to the country. That would be significant. Dr. Larry Sabato, I hope that your presidential winning streak continues. Dr. Larry Sabato, Director of University of Virginia's Center for Politics. Thanks for being on Cape Up today.
Thanks for listening. Tune in every Tuesday for Cape Up. Now, we love hearing from you, so keep going to iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play to download new episodes. And do me a favor, rate and review while you're at it. I'm Jonathan Capehart of The Washington Post. You can find me on Twitter at CapehartJ.